0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: There are tons of great goals scored every week all around the globe. Today's show focuses on just one of them, which saved a women's club on the brink in the English second division. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast has a really great interview with key figures from Coventry United, the club that was saved by a last-minute rocket of a free kick. From The Athletic, I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Everyday for Thursday, May 5th. Now, before I go any further with the show, I really have to implore you to watch this goal. And here's the context. Tree United had just gotten new ownership and went fully professional starting this season before the 21-22 season. But just days before Christmas this year, those new owners entered the club into voluntary liquidation, meaning players and staff were told that their contracts were finished and that the club essentially no longer existed. This, as you can imagine, was really devastating. A lot of those players had left other jobs in order to be professional players with this club. Now, luckily, a new owner stepped in, but the club itself was still hit with a 10-point penalty in the English Championship, which is the second division. So even though the players did nothing wrong, they still had a mountain to climb just to stay in that division. So what did they do? From February 13th up until this past Sunday, they had gone seven games unbeaten to make up the gap caused by that 10-point penalty, and they needed to win against Watford in the last game of the season in order to keep their place in the league and also make it eight in a row. That game was nil-nil until Molly Green stepped up to a long-range free kick, and at this point, stop what you're doing, watch the link in the episode's description, or just listen to this. Free amazing. Here's the athletic Sophie Penny and her interview with Coventry United Captain Katie Wilkinson and manager Jay Bradford.
2: Uh, the WSL still has one week to go then, but we've just seen the last weekend of the championship where Coventry United pulled off the impossible. At Christmas, it was announced that they were going into liquidation. In the end, they were saved, but they still had a 10 points deduction. Uh, Relegation seemed like a certainty, but on the last day of the season, they still had a chance. very small chance, but a chance. A win against Watford would mean staying up. 90 minutes had been and gone. It was nil-nil. So what did they go and do?
3: They still blown by the referee. Free to go the wall. Oh, it's in!
0: And it goes in! And Coventry United and the Death have scored the goal to confirm their place
3: in the Championship.
2: Robin Kelly you must have watched this on repeat like me not only was it a free kick my goodness it was a long-range free kick when I ended up seeing the video for this I just didn't realize how far out Molly Green was it was a worldie I also watched some of the Spurs players watching that goal it's I don't know I just went into one of those you know worm, <laughs> wormholes where you just don't get out of YouTube but um Kelly we are told time and again by people like yourself strikers certainly in the men's game women's <laughs> (laughs) game that feeling of scoring a goal like people say it's better than sex we've heard that before Yeah. (laughs) what's this one like (laughs) oh Molly Green absolute take a bow I mean I like you Lindsay I saw it on Twitter and I kept playing it and playing it and playing it and just looking at how far out she was just the audacity to strike from that distance with the power and the goalkeeper had no chance I've got goosebumps now just replaying it in my mind Earlier, producer Sophie Penny caught up with the general manager of Coventry United, Jay Bradford, and Captain Katie Wilkinson to find out how they've been feeling since.
4: Jay Bradford, Katie Wilkinson, thank you so much for coming on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. We're so excited to have you. First of all, massive congratulations. I've had that free kick playing on loop on my social media. I can't stop watching it. Has it
3: sunk in yet, Jay? To be honest, no, I don't think it has. I think it's... um, To be fair, I, I went out yesterday and four or five people just walked up to me and said, up the calf, so maybe that's my life now. Maybe people just say that to me, so... Yeah, I think it might take a few more days, and I think it, it's been a mad couple of days, and I, I might start to calm down towards the end of the week. But yeah, we're we're just so happy that we we got over the line and we got the job done.
5: Amazing, Katie. Have you
4: been recognised in supermarkets as well, or has it Not sunk
5: quite, in? I mean, I think to be honest, I was hibernating after our night out on uh, on Sunday night. Um, I was a bit worse for wear. Tell us about those celebrations it was it was a struggle trying to get us out of vicarage road in the first place i think um dancing with the speaker and and beers and prosecco and champagne in hand the coach journey on the way back was a little bit mad yeah it just went on throughout the night i think i think a few of us got back about 5 5 in the morning and yeah slept for a lot of monday um trying to recover and Just, I mean, just the the reaction on social media and all the the congratulation messages and things like that. It was just, it's been, honestly, it's been unreal.
4: That's incredible. And I want you guys to talk me through that free kick moment. Let's start with Jay. Kind of talk me through where you were, what you were thinking, how
3: you were feeling. So, me and Joe, we we were just at the front of the technical area and Molly put the ball down and Joe looked at me and said, Molly Green's going to be a hero. And I just like, I shrugged at her, you know, 97 minutes. I just looked at her and went, OK. And then she hit it and it just, the, I couldn't believe the noise. For the fact that we were away from home, the volume in the stadium just went up a notch and it was just madness. And then I remember thinking, I've got to get everyone off the pitch because I didn't want the time to be added on by the ref because obviously Watford only needed a point so we didn't want any more additional time. So I'm, I'm trying to get people off the pitch. I'm trying to get players back on the pitch. I'm trying to get the staff off the pitch. Yeah, and then it was, I don't know how long she played after that, maybe another minute or so, but it was the longest minute or so of my life. I remember just standing there and on the footage, I'm just stood with my head and my hands going, oh, my God. Um, and I just keep looking at Joe, going, we've done it. Oh, my God, we've done it. What
4: about you, Katie? Talk us through where, what you were thinking, feeling, doing.
5: I think, obviously, we were very aware that time was running out. We were just trying to get the ball forward. I think it was Katie Morris that won us the free kick. And from that range, you know, myself and Marlon and Charlie we all kind of go through our free kicks in training and we all have a distance that we all you know are, are better at so to say um and we knew that this was Molly Green territory and she she put the ball down and I kind of I was stood by the wall and I in my head I'm thinking I'm just gonna try and block the keeper here and just kind of just be a bit of a nuisance and I remember I, I remember seeing the ball I watched it as it flew into the back of net and I'd I just couldn't believe that how clean she hit that and how perfect it went into that top bin's Unbelievable moment. And then obviously the celebrations, that was just, I mean, crazy. And then after after it, like we'd kind of got all the bench and the staff off the pitch, it was a case of just getting and trying to calm her down because we were aware that there was about three, the referee had told us there were three minutes left to play. So that's maybe why that one minute sounded
3: like...
5: But yeah, I just, I knew like Molly's adrenaline and all of our adrenaline really was just through the roof. So I just was trying to calm Molly down because it would have been heartbreaking to have conceded a goal in that last three minutes. So it's just a case of getting us through the three minutes and then celebrate after.
4: I've heard you say, Jay, that it wasn't just one moment. Everyone's focusing on the free kick, but it's a lot of moments that have built up built up to that and I'm just interested in kind of what about the team made the comeback possible and I wondered if perhaps you could share what each other has brought that has made it possible it could be a really small thing like just something they said once or or, or a mentality or something like that so I wonder if Jay you could tell us something maybe about what Katie's done and Katie you could tell us what what Jay's done.
3: I think for me the fact that Wilco was happy to lead she was happy to step up obviously she was scoring goals for us really important goals but she was also leading quietly off the pitch she was you know um we had a sheet (laughs) we had a sheet of paper um which actually turned out to be a pretty, pretty special sheet of paper and we just tracked our results and Wilco led that and it was it was a Friday afternoon thing and she just took control of the group and just aligned everybody's focus i think at the right moment i think what she did at christmas was exceptional i thought she was the voice of the players when you know she didn't she didn't have to be she could have just called her agent and said where we're we going what we're we doing and she didn't she stepped up and she epitomized to me what a captain should be at that time that's brilliant why, why is the paper special what's that it's something something happened with the paper that <laughs> so was just it was just a we just tracked the results we tracked what we needed we I think it just held us, held us accountable each week. I think it gave us it just gave us a focus going into the next fixture, and that was completely player-led. And I've got that paper in my possession still, and I'm gonna it'll definitely be framed. Brilliant. And Katie, what about for for Jay?
5: Jay's been unreal with us. I mean, it, it's no secret that she's very laid back and very calm, and I think that for us as players is massively important because I think Joe, on the flip side, is the very the very opposite to that but a great balance. And, you know, and Jay's been through a lot this season. You know, her club nearly got taken away from her. She's been at the club since day dot. She's had her own personal problems, but she's been there for us throughout. And I think that's been massively important for us as individuals and as a team. Um, and I think as a collective, we just didn't stop. She's drilled into, into us about being mentality monsters and that's exactly what all of us have been.
4: I love that phrase, "mentality monsters." Did you come up with that yourself, Jay?
3: Yeah, it was. I, I remember it was before the Sheffield game, and I remember just thinking, "This it, it is a mentality game. We're not. If we do this, it'll be it'll be because we're mentally ready for it, not physically. We we're ready. We're we're a football team. You know, the players are fit. The Staff know what they're doing. They're good. We've got good coaches. Good, you know, good cs So for me, it was all it was all between the ears where we were going to win it.
5: With the sheet as well, I think, you know, I'm, I've actually got a video of our last kind of, of us filling out the last kind of step to our, our journey, but just kind of in terms of what, like how much that sheet meant to us, for us it was a journey and no week was ever the same, even when we had friendlies and FA Cup, every single week was a step towards the great escape in effect. But yeah, like I say, when we share it, I think you'll be able to see exactly why it meant so much to us.
4: And that, that term, the great escape, was that something that you guys had planned as part of your your sheet or has it just kind of come it, about?
5: It, when you see it, it's the title in massive, great capital letters. Um, and to think that all those months ago, that's what we named it. And that's what we've gone and achieved. I think, again, it's just surreal. It really is the fact that, you know every i don't believe there's one person in in women's football that believes we'd do this other than inside our circle i honestly don't believe there was you know people might have said oh yeah how amazing would it have been but to actually have thought that we could go and do what we've done i think you'd be counting on one hand
4: and it must mean so much more just because of everything that you've you've been through mustn't it
5: Oh, it's you know. The, I had players on the phone to me in tears. You know when two days before Christmas that the club was no longer going to be there. It was it was heartbreaking. It was it was probably one of the worst of my career, um, which was six months later turned into one of the best seasons of my career. But yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, yesterday, you know what we went through—the ten point deduction, all of that—but It's not just about that. For me, we were a team that only put four points on the board at the start in that first six months. You know, we were underachieving for whatever reason that may be a new team. We'd all just started to get to know each other and start to gel a little bit. But we could only put four points on the board and to go and do what we've done and be unbeaten in eight and win those games and those draws that are still massively important Because I said to the girls on the Friday, if any one of those results would have changed, we would not have been in the situation we would have been in on Sunday. So, yeah, just unbelievable.
3: She's right. I don't think anybody did believe it. You know, they would it would be a token tweet of, oh, you know, they've they've drawn again. Oh my God, they've got three points, you know, maybe they are gonna do it. But we did it. And I and I said I said in an interview on Sunday, you know, it'll never be done again. And it will never be done again because I think the sanctions that were put on us won't happen again. I think that that will be looked at and I think it'll be proportioned correctly to the women's game in terms of how many teams are in our league. You know, we were punished just as harshly as a team that's got 20 plus teams in it, not a 12 team league. So um, I just think huge credit to everyone involved. And and as I said on Sunday, this team will go down in history. The feeling of, you know, being around this group for the last six months will live with everybody that's been in it. And I don't think we'll ever quite be able to share it all and how it actually feels and felt at the time, because you can't quite describe it and you can't quite put your finger on a specific moment or a specific detail that was the difference because it's just a culmination of events that we all bought into and we all delivered on.
4: And in terms of of moving forward, like you say, you want to see the change in the the number of points deducted. I suppose the aim must be to make sure that no team
3: has to go through what you guys went through. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I think the FA, I think they're great for teams in the championship. You know, the financial support they give, the off pitch support, it, it is very good. But there's still gaps because there's still teams like us that get the rug pulled out from under them at Christmas. So something somewhere is missing. I'm not, the, I'm not qualified enough to give an answer for that. But what I will say is, the only people that suffered from what happened at Christmas was the people, were the people that were left at the football club, the people that actually pushed the button on what happened have effectively sailed off into the sunset, no questions asked. They could go and buy a football club tomorrow and nobody would bat an eyelid. But, you know, we were left picking up the pieces as as people, not as footballers and as managers, as people, and picking up our emotions. And I've said it time and time again, the effect that this will have had on this group mentally and physically, I don't think will probably come to the fore, maybe for some until they retire because they'll look back and they'll understand what that time did to them mentally and physically. And if we hadn't have won on Sunday, I genuinely would have feared for the group as a whole, as people, not whether we were going to play their football, not who was going to go and get jobs, but what they were going to do as people, because it was that detrimental at that time. And I think that's the most important thing to drive home. We are people. We aren't paid an unbelievable amount of money where we could just all sit at home for six months and go, oh, we're not going to worry. People were having to give up flats. People were having to call partners and parents and go, how am I going to pay my mortgage? You know, I might have to take all my Christmas presents back that I've bought. That is a reality though that I, that I wouldn't put my worst enemy through. And I hope that the FA, other teams, other club owners have learned from this experience. And even if it's the club owners that are struggling, act quicker, and bring it to the attention of the FA sooner, not on the last day when you've already made a decision on what you're going to do with your football club. So, yeah, for me, bigger sanctions on the people that actually make these decisions, not sanctions on the people that are left behind to pick up the pieces. And Katie, having you know been been through all of this, obviously this season, you have that
4: as a kind of mo- big motivation for you, big driving force. How do you sort of carry that group energy that you have through to next season? And do you have any aims for the championship next season? I mean, you can maybe start looking forward now, start booking those stag
5: do's and hen do's, but also look at the championship. I think, to be honest, as a group, I think the staff, the players, I don't think there's any thought on next season right now. As a as a team, I hope that we can keep as many of us together as possible because, you know, the the bond that we've created is one I'll never, ever forget. But at this moment in time, it's recover, it's chill, it's just process everything because it's been one hell of a year. It really has. I can't explain, you know, when that goal went in and we, we did what we did, there was tears streaming down my face with just relief, you know, just that weight off your shoulders of that we've done it, we've got through it. And I absolutely love being on the football pitch, but I can't tell you how happy I am to have this week off. <laughs> A very,
4: very well-deserved week week off for both of you. Uh, Jay Bradford, Katie Wilkinson, thank you so much for speaking to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast.
1: Thanks so much to Sophie Penny for that great interview. If you want to hear more women's soccer news from the UK and Europe, you can check out that show by looking for the athletic women's football podcast, wherever you're listening to this show. There's also a link in this episode's description to the full episode that features more analysis of these penultimate weekend of WSL. And by the way, if you're into a North American perspective on women's soccer full time with Meg Linehan is available pretty much wherever you're listening to this podcast. Lastly, your TV guide for today, all times are Eastern as usual. We have Europa League semifinals, Eintracht Frankfurt versus West Ham United. That's at 3 p.m. on Paramount Plus and DNA. And then also at 3 p.m. Rangers versus RB Leipzig. That is on Paramount Plus and Galavision. It's also semifinal time in the the UEFA Europa Conference League. At 3 p.m. Roma versus Leicester City. That's on Paramount Plus. And also at 3 p.m. Olympique Marseille versus Feyenoord. Also on Paramount Plus. I got to say, really, all these European semifinals have been amazing this year, whether it's Champions League or Europa League or Europa Conference League. I really can't choose between them. They're all pretty awesome. There's also Copa Libertadores action tonight. We talked about that stuff a little bit earlier this week on Tuesday with Felipe Cardenas. The games tonight at 6 p.m. Fortaleza versus River Plate, RB Bragantino versus Vélez Sarsfield, and at 10 p.m. Alianza Lima versus Colo Colo. The River Plate game in that trio, probably the one to watch, but all of them should be exciting. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.
0: Hey, baseball fans. This is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at one o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.